Welcome to the USU Career Studio podcast that helps you navigate your career path. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to tell your friends and family all about it. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere else you listen to get access to our newest content. Thanks for joining us for our Friday face-to-face episode. I'm Marissa Armistead, your host, and I am so excited to welcome USU alum and current professor Darren Brooks to the show. Welcome, Darren. So this month... Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm great. So this month, we are focusing in on the Kane College of Arts and really looking at potential career paths that those degrees can help support. So, Darren, we are beyond excited to have you on the show today. You know, you are coming to us as an alum, which is fabulous for both your, let's see, bachelor and master's. Is that right? That's correct. And then also as a a professor here at Utah State University, so I feel like we're getting a two for one today, Uh, but I'm really excited to chat with you about, you know, what it's like to be an interior designer, also a little bit of of the professor life. Um, And so to start our conversation today, I would really just love to hear, you know, from your perspective, you know, what was getting your education like? How did you kind of end up where you are today, both as a, a designer of your own firm, but then also a professor? Sure. So I um, graduated in the, I would say, or I started in in interior design in the early 90s. I graduated in the mid 90s and took a, um, I did an internship in Toronto for one of the leading interior designers there, Brian Kluckstein. And then upon graduation, I knew that I loved high-end residential design. And so I looked at different areas in the country that could offer or that had that perhaps higher clientele, um, bigger budgets, um, which isn't all what design is about, but oftentimes it is is driven that way. So I took a job in Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, I was a head designer for, I worked out to be a head designer in a firm there and gained lots of really valuable experience. Um, I had a variety of clients and um, client types. I was doing store windows. I was doing different homes uh, throughout the metro New York area, both Connecticut, New York, New Hampshire, even on the eastern coast, um, all the way down to Florida. That was great. Uh, a great experience. And it's so important, I think, as career, uh, as we talk about careers, to also talk about learning. And I think that it's so important that, you know, lots of people want to join a profession and they want to jump out and have their own firm. I really think it's essential that you gain the training and expertise and the mentoring, working with a real firm and gaining that insight learning from others' mistakes as well as your own, and trying to figure out all of the ins and outs of business. So as part of that process, I um, I had so many amazing opportunities working with different clients um, and going into New York frequently, and eventually met my uh, a business partner um, who imported antiques. And so we kind of joined forces. I did the design, she did the antiques, and we did um, some amazing, amazing work. Um, I think the last project, our project ranged up to like $25 million homes. Oh my goodness. It It was a wide variety of work, but it also gave me the insight and expertise into, again, moving from someone else's firm into your own firm and having all of that, the mantle of responsibility which was so rewarding. And I had set goals when I was in school. I wanted to be published. I wanted to, um, you know, to really work and gain that broad, um, those broad different kinds of situations that would, you know, prepare me to do, um, I think to, to achieve different levels of success in terms of my design business. 
And that was, that was incredible. Eventually, um, as you, as we all are very familiar with, since it's September 20th, the, uh, the event of uh, September 11th. Um, I remember that day very well. It gives me kind of chills as I talk about it. I, we were walking into an appointment about 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm just, again, going back from memory, not knowing the exact times, but I remember walking to the house. Our client immediately brought us into our living room or the room where it had a big screen TV and we saw the plane crash into the towers. And my business partner, Claire, had her husband was in the city, her, his business partner, they were both there. And so we spent the day kind of scrambling all of us of trying to how to get home and how to secure things with our families and stuff. So it was a major event. And after that, things uh, took an abrupt turn in terms of the economy. And, you know, design and many professions are very much driven by by the economy and by the cycles of, you know, people who have lots of money um, when they stop spending money. Why is that? And and so after September 11th, we saw work totally come to a halt. And so we had to kind of think of things differently. At that point, I was invited by the interior design program to, if I, they, I, they express interest, would I like to come back and teach? And I, that's something that I had always wanted to do. One of the first day I started working, I thought I want to gain the experiences that I can bring back into teaching. So with that, I did kind of a big major career change, moved from Connecticut, kind of did all the things to to settle up and close that business and then make that uh, move to Logan and begin teaching. And our program has grown tremendously. So I'm going into my 20th year at Utah State this year. Wow. And uh, we have kind of moved from in the past couple of years, it's kind of been a, a career kind of or a uh, a change is happening across the country where we're just not doing an interior design. And there's so many misconceptions. I think that people have about design. They think it's paint. They think it's fabric, a little bit of wallpaper, some plants and some lights. Um, but we really, uh, I think change that mindset and perhaps we disappoint some of our students is because it's not all about the finishes. It's all much about the technical, technical details and the planning. And especially when you think about the different needs that go into a space and the response mantle of responsibility that comes into that. So if you're designing a commercial space, what if someone falls because you specify a finish or material that isn't correct? So when when, uh, people say you have the funnest job, I say I love my job, but it comes with a tremendous amount of responsibility and weight. So we deal with codes. We deal with a variety of technical issues. So when you think about the built environment, you're thinking of interior design. Well, if you take a new building and you kind of shake everything, turn it upside down, shake everything out of it. A lot of those things are details that we have our hand on. But when you enter back into that space and think, okay, now all the furniture and fixtures may be missing. What did the interior designer or interior architect design? And you start to see that it's all about finishes and it's about healthy finishes. Again, if we're working in commercial architecture, we're thinking about um, VOCs in terms of the, you know the, the having healthy environments for someone to breathe pain um, while it's being installed or it's off gassing. If you've ever if you remember getting new carpet and you have that really strong smell of new carpet, it's probably a little red flag. That is not a great thing. It's probably super <laughs> dangerous. Here we are inhaling it, thinking this is so good. This new carpet, like new car smell, right? But actually, it can be very um, impactful to our health. So we're looking at all sorts of the uh, the in, the interior, the interior space, and just starting to think. And you know, it used to be that architects um, were very compar- 
compartmentalized. They would design a building, we would come in and do the finishes. And now there's so much collaboration as we work together and create, um, you know, interesting and amazing spaces. And, and our industry is such a big, um, it, it's, there's so many different sectors within it from lighting design to hospitality or hotel design to medical design, um, to residential, to commercial designing a big building for someone like Adobe or Apple. So you can see that. And then there's, you know, all of the different subsets into that. So we are a really big field and there are lots of different opportunities and it's, it's such an exciting industry that we are very proud of, but we, we um, recently were acknowledged to being the seventh uh, top seventh school in the country in terms of interior architecture and design for value. So we feel really strongly about that. Our students and our alumni do amazing things. And I think because our profession or because at Utah State, we prepare our students very well, when the economy does do that sort of a change, we notice that they're resilient and they stay hired. I think on we have a Facebook alumni, student alumni page, and we post positions of that almost every week. And we can't feel the demand of wow. all of the jobs in the industry. So even with COVID and things bouncing back, we're, the industry is super, is very busy and firms are seeking our students. So that's a really positive thing. Wow. So many good insights there. And I'm, I'm trying to capture it all here in my brain. You know, something that was really interesting that stood out to me as you were talking, you know, you mentioned the aspect of responsibility that comes with the design. And I love that you're bringing this up, um, you know, along with some of the other technical aspects that are maybe not, uh, like you said, you know, putting the finishing touches, making things look pretty. It's, it's a lot more than just that. So I really appreciate those, those aspects. Um, you know, I'm curious, I know you've worked on lots of different um, projects, but I'm curious to date, do you have have a favorite design project and, and why is that one stand out to you? That's almost like asking which of your children are your favorite, <laughs> <laughs> which with our, with our daughters, we're always in that as a hard place. I think different projects bring back in different opportunities. Um, I have to say one that there are a couple, I've done, I've done work at, I've done some, I've done work in Utah, I have my own firm. I've done it in other places and I do more commercial work than I do residential, but I love working with the college of education. Uh, I was approached by the Dean. Um, and you know, she said that the space looks outdated. It's not uplifting. It's not inspiring. It's a college of education of young people. And why does, why does, why do interiors have to look to be institutional, sometimes even like a hospital. So with that, we, we, I tried to, um, to work in order to like elevate the whole experience, whether it be, you know, if it's a call of education, what are the market sectors that, that, that client serves. So we're talking about children at Edith Bowen. We're talking about teachers. We're talking now about pre-service teachers. We're talking about all those educational components, including professors. And so how does that interior communicate what the goals of a college are? And I think that in all of the different, um, different clients that I've had, I always try to, to uh, define what their, what their needs are and how we can exceed those expectations and having something that will dovetail in a very positive way that when someone walks in, they feel uplifted, they feel inspired. It has a, a you know, a positive, you know, a positive point of view versus we've all been into a space before that we walk in and just, it's just gloomy and it's depressing. Um, and, and, and then to see kind of the positives, 
effects of once that's installed, it's always exciting to have an installation, but then to continually have, have someone talk to you or, or have, you know, get the, get feedback on, on that. And I think those are the things I think are transcend just the exciting design process is having something that, you know, I remember doing work for the King college of the arts and we did a, the, as you come into the Danes auditorium, there's a, a we added a, the, not we, but I was a part of the team. We added a large atrium in order to bring the building up to code. There were no elevators if someone wanted to get to the second floor. But getting an email from the associate dean saying, I just walked through the corridor and to see the like the floor of activity of conversation and people networking and people having meetings, whether it be students um, working on a project or faculty and students or a group of faculty members. And I think oftentimes good design facilitates those connections because you're planning on, you know, someone who could have a meeting, a more of a private meeting for one or two people and perhaps an arrangement where you have four. So looking at all of those, I think design goals, not only set forth by the client, but just knowing about what, what is in our toolkit and having all of those bits and pieces tie back to a, a successful design and then seeing those projects, um, you know, in, with the College of Education, I knew very specifically that it, it the building was confusing. And that's one thing people don't think about as well. You go to the hospital and you try to find a doctor office and you're lost and you're wandering around and you're late for your appointment. We refer to that visual cues of where to go as wayfinding. And as if you think about a space and how do you navigate even to find a bathroom or a classroom or the dean's office or a professor, it just seems so overwhelming, especially as, as interiors gets get dated. So I partnered with Mike Danes, a graphic designer. And I think that's the great part about collaboration too, when you pull in various specialists and we do not work in a silo because we work with we're working with the construction company we're probably working with an architect we're working with a graphic designer we're working with the electrician with a plumber um, and with a variety of stakeholders including you know how do you how do you forward the design and keep everyone happy and on budget which is oftentimes tricky so i think the world of that we work in is dependent on so many different we're all dependent on each other it's just not one person presenting a design it's then presenting the design and implementing it to the part where all of those details that are in your mind are executed in the you know not only on paper when you're presenting the, the concept to a client but then in the end when it is installed and i think that is really the exciting part when you can do an installation and oftentimes you're not there for the install. I remember all of those beautiful, colorful lights that we installed in the atrium. Um, I was in Europe when that was installed. And so I had made a small model and that model had all the details with all the lengths. And there was an Excel spreadsheet of uh, where like, you know, the 20, whatever, 24 colors were coming in and each fixture, how did that lay out? And one of the things we also do is design communication. We have lots of technical documents that, um, and we have to, we have to show various things in terms of, of performance standards. So not only does a, you know, if you're designing a, an interior and you're using a textile or a fabric, how do you know that that's flame proof? How do you know that it's not going to be fading by the sun? How do you know that it's going to last for 30 years? And you think about that, well, what lasts for 30 years, but in, in, you know, in, in design, it's a big investment. And so a part of that whole equation is, is working with someone who has the knowledge that, that gives you the investment that will last. And oftentimes we say that we save people money because we can help them forego all of those mistakes. And people will come to us saying, I've made too many mistakes and I'm set back financially because 
the things that I have done aren't correct. And so we need some vision to help us, again, save us money, achieve our goals. So there are lots of different, I think, advantages of working with an interior architect and designer. Yes, I, I love that. And you know, something that kind of came through as you were sharing those different experiences is the need for a diverse skill set. You know, you mentioned a lot of different skills that you had to use. You know, I heard communication, I heard project management, collaboration. And it kind of moves me, you know, to my next question, which is, you know, what skills, if you were talking to a student right now and they said, you know, Darren, what skills do I really need to be focusing on in, in interior design school? You know, what are some of the top skills you would recommend? You know, we always we start in our program and in our college, especially in our department of art and design. We start with a strong, strong foundation, which is the understanding of of drawing, which seems, you know, and a lot of people are intimidated. They're like, I don't want to draw, but we have to communicate. So if we're working with a client, um, one of my I remember sitting in and 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 we were talking about a reception counter at a medical spa, and I quickly drew it up in front of the client and said, this is kind of what I'm thinking. What are you thinking? And they're like, oh, can you, can you bring us that in a more detailed drawing, which I did, but it's that ability to communicate. And I think if you, you know, for people who are afraid of drawing, then that impedes their ability to communicate effectively. So that's one of the first things we start. So drawing and rendering and design communication. And then we, we are a, a, an extremely technical program, meaning that our students um, learn not only the, the architectural details to produce comprehensive plans, whether it be commercial or residential, as well as all of those details, the, the plumbing details, the uh, the elevations and specifications. The re- you know, you look up at a ceiling and we call that the reflected ceiling plan. How are those lights placed and where are they controlled? So we look at all of the technical aspects. I always say that we have one of the most expensive majors on campus because our students all have to buy a really high-tech computer. They have to do a six-week, a minimum of a six-week internship. And typically those are in a major city so somewhere east coast west coast or perhaps in somewhere in the middle so there's also that investment and then all of the time and efforts into learning all of the different means and modes and technical details as well as the vocabulary that we use in design because you'll hear lots of different terms that's important for a designer to be then comfortable and familiar um, you know at the at the at the table when they're meeting with you know in a design meeting and you're meeting with a, you know a team of architects and structural engineers and all of those details you have to be able to have the correct answers to you know we just don't design something because we think it's pretty obviously we have objectives but it has to meet so many other different you know checkpoints along the way um you know when i did the the performance hall which is an auditorium on space where we have lots of musical or art concerts or lectures you know every every material that we chose had to meet acoustic specifications so and flammability and so every from the carpet to the seats on the the chairs in the auditorium to the drapery all of those things had to meet not only standards but we had to go through and provide all the technical details like the rigorous testing and the certificates that go along with that so when we select something and then as well as the paint color in the in the um, the concert hall or the 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 uh, performance hall, one of the things we had to do is custom dye the fabrics to meet the, the design. So uh, technical, aesthetic, performance, all of those things go into it. So I think gaining that experience and expertise is what really what students need to work on and know that they're going to be working really hard and very technical. 
and perhaps um, maybe exploding the misconceptions of what interior design is about when you just think of a, you know something really beautiful and you see it in a, you know, a magazine like House Beautiful or something. What are the other aspects that go into that? And I think it's probably like many other professions that there are misconceptions. But in design, I think there's so many opportunities to gain that awareness. Um, we are, we work, our students uh, all graduate with um, a, the passing the lead exam, which is about kind of creating a healthy environment in terms of all the specifications have to line up so that it has performance, it works with the environment. And our students have a typical 100% passage rate on that in their senior year. I think our, the one thing I love about our faculty is well, we're all very diverse, but we all practice. And so the information that we learn isn't totally conceptual is because we have the experience and we pass on our lessons learned to prepare students for the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love I love that the faculty are able to bring that real world experience into the classroom. I think that is such a huge advantage. So, yeah, so grateful to hear that. Um, I'm curious. So as you as you think about your work as a designer, maybe in your firm or in past experiences, you know, when when are you most happy in your work? When do you hit kind of that flow state where you just kind of lose track of time? You're just in the design. You know, where is that for you? I think it's a big, I mean, there's lots of different parts of the design process, whether you're presenting a concept to a client or whether you're trying to, you know, I think it's always exciting when you're presenting different options, whether it be for a living room or a dental office or, a, you know, an auditorium or an entire building. But when you get someone to start to see your vision, I think that's probably the exciting part. I think when, when and, and, and when you gain trust, because I think design is all about trust. And sometimes you just take that for granted. You go to the dentist, he does the work or she does the work, you leave. But it's, you know, in terms of, of, of interior architecture and design, it's so personal because it's, it's the space that you work or live in and how that, how you feel about that. So when you get someone to have that trust and that excitement, maybe I'll just give you a really quick story. That's one of my favorites. We were, I was working in Connecticut with my own business, our business, my business partner, Claire and I, we were doing this, we were working on a house and we had done lots of different rooms and we'd gained their trust. Uh, we were working on the bedroom and it was being installed. And this was a, a bedroom that appeared in magazines and had a lot of press. So it was, it was a very impactful design. But we, one of the things we always like to do is, is bring a client in and have them experience it kind of as a surprise, not necessarily we schedule it, but we're doing our install today. We want you to go away and we'll do all the installations and then come back together and we will do our reveal. So we had candles and music and flowers and, and it was a, a, a couple and, uh, or a family and he was traveling and we had scheduled the installation. It just seemed like, you know, we'll get it installed and like you always do. And she just started to cry when she saw it. And, and she said, I'm sleeping in the guest room tonight. And I said, why? And she said, because I want him to experience what I experienced, the magic of walking in and seeing all of the details and the thought process and to see kind of the journey. Because design is, I mean, we've just gone through this in our own house. My husband and I just have done a major remodel. We moved out of half of our house and then moved back in. It is not fun. And there's a lot of growing pains and dust and <laughs> mess. And then just the inconvenience of having your world uplifted while you remodel. It's kind of the thing that people don't think about. Again, commercial or residential, it's messy and dusty and people don't love that. But then to see it all come together time after time, I think the reveal probably those moments where you get the hugs and the tears, and like the phone calls and the emails. I think that, that to me is like the frosting on the cake. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Oh, that's such a great example. I'm glad you, you shared that with us. Um, so Darren, I feel the need, you might be uh, offended by this next question. I don't know, but I have to ask uh, as a silly question, do you watch interior design shows? Are those horrific to you? I'm so curious. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. So I don't really watch, I, I, we we're, we're just, we like competition shows. For example, like there was one recently on, um, on glass blowing. So it was, I think it was on Netflix or Amazon. Yeah. We, just, we just finished one this weekend on metal masters where they get a design challenge and they all like have to build something. I find those interesting because for me, it then relates into teaching and my pedagogy and my student projects. So when I see something there, there was another one, like it's, uh, there's a hotel where they take a really old, like seventies hotel and they, two women work together and they redo it and like have this amazing experience. I find those are very helpful because oftentimes you can use those as a teaching tool. Um, but for design shows, uh, I tend to focus, I, I think I go more to the source. Like if there's a, a like a podcast, like you're doing on design, um, or just, I think it's so important to be well-rounded to watch documentaries and movies. Like you say, how do you prepare? Well, you have to be able to have a conversation with people. Like last night, the Emmys were on. On Tuesday in class, we watched the runway show from the, or the people entering into the Met Gala. Yes. Like those are the trends and things that I think become catalysts for how that, how those colors and textures and those new styles will then translate it into interiors. Like, I think that's another point of preparation is reading. You know, I read the New York Times every day. I try to, you know, stay up to date in all of my different design magazines and design blogs and, and learning about new products. I think that's also kind of really important. So when it comes down to it, yes, I do love, um, I do love competition or reality shows that deal with design. Specifically, do I watch a lot of HGTV? I don't. <laughs> um, but it doesn't mean I don't, you know, follow and, and try to stay, keep my pulse on what's going on. I always think that it's important that if you walk into a design firm or you walk into a client and they say to you, Hey, have you seen this month's architectural digest? Or have you seen, you know, um, Jennifer Aniston's new house or something that you kind of are in the know and you're not like blindsided that you have no idea what they're talking about. Because I think as designers or when you really get passionate about your career, I think you have to do a deep dive. And I talk to students about this all the time. You're always feeding your design soul. So you can't let it starve. You can't like, you know, you have to, you have to feed that as well uh, because that brings ideas and innovation and shows interest that you have your pulse on what's going on. And you're also interested in it. I think some people will be like laissez-faire about it. Like, Oh, I like design. And I'm like, well, what do you like about design? What are the details? What, what like feeds your spirit? And they're like, well, I just like it. And I think that's not necessarily food. And I think that also this has become a wonderful tool at the same time, a dangerous tool, because when you go out and seek inspiration, you can just sit on your chair or sit in bed and thumb through Instagram and see, um, different things. But do you, are you, are you consuming any calories to get there? So what about going to the library or what about, you know, reading the paper and finding out if there's a new exhibit or there's, you know, the, like there was a home tour in Salt Lake this weekend, an architectural home tour. Um, with historical interiors, like what are you doing to make energy and efforts that build who you are? And I think that is what I, I'm, I'm, I, I always say I'm passionate about design. I always say design like you give a damn. 
meaning you really do have to be passionate and it's just not fun or this really cool event where you just you know meet with clients and pick beautiful things. It's stressful. And um, when bad things happen or something is discontinued or you're designing something that doesn't work or you have a, like a mini design disaster, whatever happens, I think those tools make you more well-rounded that you, that you're a fighter and you're passionate. And I think once you are that become that person, I think it's somewhat, contagious and you're i think you most of all your clients appreciate your passion and we might be eccentric but they appreciate the things we bring to the table absolutely so many great insights you know and i i love this idea of staying curious as a designer and never thinking you've reached a certain level you know the epitome you've, you've never reached that and so you're always striving to learn and gain new insights and and develop and, and progress as a designer so i really love that aspect of professional growth and, and even personal growth i think that really has come through kind of connected to that um and kind of tying our, our whole conversation i guess together here um you know looking back at your years as a student here at usu but i'll also as a professional, I, I would just love to hear, you know, if a student came to you, what is the one piece of advice that you would make sure you gave them before they walked out of, out of the room? Well, it's interesting that you say that. Um, a couple of years ago, I was, I had the, the distinct honor and it's such an honor to be the King College of the Arts Teacher of the Year. And I remember speaking at graduation, offering a few bits of wisdom or advice. And one of the things that I learned early on is to develop a mentor as a student. Uh, I... I still, every fall before school uh, starts, I call one of my professors, Elizabeth Rogers, who's in Des Moines, Iowa. She's retired. And I talked to her about all my experiences. And it was Elizabeth when I um, was trying to navigate that first job on the East Coast. It was Elizabeth that I called when I was in Atlanta. And I called her and I said, there's a job open in Greenwich, Connecticut. And she said, Darren, you're there. You're so close. It's a plane right away, but you're, you know, do it. And I think having that mentorship is because design is all about relationships. And I think your education is as well. And if you just go through school and you don't have a mentor and you don't develop those connections, again, it's that ability to pull in that. And, and that's, I think, one of my favorite things about being a professor is having those conversations with our alum who we're now friends. And we, you know, when we travel to different cities, we have, you know, lunch or dinner or we connect. And, and I think that. That's the important part that you always have. I, you know, I love it when someone will call me and they'll say, I'm starting a new business venture. I want to get your advice. So I think having that to tap into is also really important. It's probably one of my favorite things about being a professor. Absolutely. Yeah. The aspect of mentorship and just talking to people, you mentioned that multiple times throughout this conversation, but just talking to people in the industry, getting that advice is is so key. So I really appreciate um, that final thought. Well, Darren, I am so grateful for you taking, you know, 30 minutes out of your day to chat with us. Um, you know, the insights that you've brought both from, you know, the program, but your own experience have just been invaluable. So thank you so much. Thanks, Marissa. It's been a real pleasure. We hope you loved this episode of the USU Career Studio podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends and family.